Let's turn to our Bibles, uh, John chapter 14. And if you ever remotely listen to anything that I've said, uh, you've got a pretty good idea that this is in my wheelhouse here. Uh, this is some of my favorite scripture to, to preach about, to teach about, to even talk about. Did you know it's okay to talk about God? You know, we, we talk about all kind of different things, don't we? We'd be talking about the Falcons a lot more if, if they would have won last week. You know, well, we're still probably talking about them, but not the way that we should be talking about them. Uh, we talk about that with, you know, those, uh, some of us guys, we like to talk about hunting. We like to talk about fishing. Uh, you know, uh, we, we can talk about Pinterest. We can talk about Facebook. You know, we, there's all kind of different things we like to talk about. But it's okay to talk about God. That is, well, that's my favorite subject to talk about. To talk about him and his goodness and his mercy and his grace. To, to, when you come to the realization of the fact of, uh, that he's, he's blessed us more than uh, any of us even remotely deserve. And the fact that he's so good to us, uh, how can we not talk about him? But I want to talk to you about this one subject here for just a few minutes. The immutable path to God. The immutable path to God. Uh, now, if something is mutable, of course, it can be changed, it can be moved. If something is immutable, guess what? It don't change. Amen. It doesn't move. There's no, there's no course correction in that. It is the same for all of eternity. And in John 14, listen, to me, uh, of course, we'll get into this in just a few minutes, uh, but... This scripture right here uh, is if, if people could really comprehend just exactly what Jesus is saying here, I think it would astound a lot of people in our churches today. I'm not talking about the folks out here uh, that, you know, uh, that are not in church, the folks that don't have a relationship with God. I'm talking about people that are supposedly Christians. If they really understood what Jesus was talking about here, it would absolutely astound them. The comprehension of, of eternity and what he's talking about. The immutable path to God. Let's get started. John 14, let's begin reading in verse 1. Of course, it's familiar scripture. I'm sure that you're all... We could probably all pretty much quote this, but let's read. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And there you go. The gauntlets of all gauntlets, the line of all lines that has been drawn, Jesus has just done it. Now, of course, there is so much within these six verses that we could go in and pick out. We could get uh, started about the second coming. We could talk about uh, the rapture. We could talk about his promises. There's so much that we could look at within these six verses, but I want us to narrow it down because I want us to really look at just one thing and to see how this is going to affect Piedmont Avenue Baptist Church because that's what we want to know, isn't it? Well, how does this affect me? How does this affect Piedmont Avenue Baptist Church? Well, I want us to see just exactly how it affects us. I want us to see how it affects our lives. I want us to see how it affects our the words that we speak, the thoughts that we think, the deeds that we do. How does it affect us? And it does. You see, in chapter 13, okay, just before this chapter right here, this the events that are leading up to, to what I personally feel is the most profound statement of Christ's ministry, the one we just read, 14.6. I think it's the most profound statement of his ministry. But in chapter 13, if we flip back over there and look and see what is happening, notice this. Jesus has just finished washing his disciples' feet. They're in the upper room about to partake of the Last Supper. Jesus has just finished washing his disciples' feet, which includes, by the way, Judas Iscariot. Okay, he's just finished washing their feet and explaining this to them. He's just got through calling out the man that's about to betray him and putting his plan in action. Notice the whole time when we get down to this part of Jesus's life that Jesus is the one calling the shots. It wasn't Judas. It wasn't the Sanhedrin. It wasn't the pilot of the temple guards. It was Jesus. Well, he just got through calling out uh, Judas and told, told him, what you going to do? Go do it now. And then he just got through telling a guy that loves him more than he loves his own life, Peter, that before the sun comes up, you're going to deny me three times. That's what's just happened in chapter 13. Now, I recognize it. Jesus is standing at the precipice of what for the last 4,000 years he's been telling the prophets is going to happen. You see, he's the one that's been explaining these things to the prophets in the, in the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. But now he's standing there at the threshold of it for what he's been telling these prophets for the last 4,000 years is going to happen. But also realize from all eternity past, this is the one point and place that he has anticipated. He knows what's about to happen. He knows what he is going to do. He knows what it is going to take to save a lost humanity. And it is the death of God himself on the cross at the hands of those he had created with his own hand. There is nothing Nothing 
that is more impactful than that event that happened there that day when Christ took our place on the cross. And Jesus is standing right there at it. He can see it. He knows what's about to happen. And what does he do? He's the one that's comforting the disciples. Let not your heart be troubled, guys. You believe in God, believe in me. It's Jesus that is about to pay the ultimate price. It is Jesus that is about to suffer the ultimate of all humility. It is Jesus that is about to give his life for those that are not worthy of it. And yet he's doing it with joy and willfully. And it is Jesus that's comforting the disciples. It is him. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. And you see, it is Jesus that reaches out to bring comfort to the disciples. But it is he that stands there looking now at the cross. The disciples, maybe at this point, they're, they're maybe they're, they're trying, they're try, maybe grasping what is really about to happen, what, what's portends for the future but I still don't think they have a, a complete grasp on the gravity of the situation but Jesus knows he's about to die for all of humanity and yet it's he that is comforting the disciples but notice notice the words that he comforts them with Oh, some great words. It is he that is comforting them. But in that sixth verse, because that's where we want to focus at, that's where we want to narrow it down to, this statement made by the creator of all that exists. After Jesus brings them comfort, Thomas, you know, ask him, Lord, we, we don't know the way you're going. How, how can we know the way? How, you know, see, this is how I know that they didn't really completely grasp the situation yet. They didn't really truly understand what Jesus was talking about. And, and he said, how can we know the way? How can we know the way? Well, basically, Jesus told him, you know, Thomas, you're talking to the way. It's the way that's talking to you. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And oh, by the way, this is a series. Okay. So for the next three weeks, we're going to take each one of those statements and look at them and how they impact us. The way, the truth, and the life. Today's just kicking it off. And to kick it off, this is what we're looking at. That final statement made there by Jesus Christ. No 
man. No one. No man, no woman, no child, no anything comes unto the Father but by me. Jesus. Period. That's what he says. Now how can we possibly say that this is the the most profound statement from the entirety of Christ's ministry? Well, I want us to think about something. If we look at from the time of Cain, let's go back to Cain's time and begin to look at and look up until today. If we look, we'll see that history is littered, littered, literally, with men who thought that they could come to God on their own terms. You know what? They brought their, what, their pompous little words, their little religious words to God. They came with their uh, pious philosophies and, and spouted all these things about you know what they thought and how they viewed humanity, how they viewed eternity and all these types of things. They've done all this. They brought all that. They reasoned within themselves uh, that if they could bring all this to God, then God would have no choice but to accept them on their terms. Mankind's logic. It's what you're looking at. We are man. We have spoken thus. And God, you will have to listen. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. Humanity, for almost 6,000 years now, was Cain's problem. He knew what kind of sacrifice to bring. He knew the correct sacrifice and the correct procedure, but he didn't do it. He did it his way. And that's what we've been dealing with for 6,000 years. All right? Anybody in here got a stubborn streak in them? Yeah, we, we we know what we're talking about, don't we? That's what God's been dealing with. That's what he has to deal with. Mankind for all this time has said, you, God, you're going to deal with us on our terms and it, that's the only way it's going to be. Look around in our society and our culture today. It's never been so splintered and fractured. It's hard to imagine what it, was to, what it must have been like in the times of Noah because it can't be far off It can't be far away from what Noah dealt with to what we're dealing with today because we're dealing with such a wretched society. No one wants to listen to anyone. No one wants to reason with anyone. And uh, surely of all things, if God is going to be a part of somebody's life, he's going to have to accept it on their terms. You see, that's, that's the society that we live in. They think that we tell God what to do. They think that we lay the terms out for God and he has to accept it or else. That's it. And they'll talk about spirituality. They'll talk about God. Sometimes they'll even talk about Jesus. You got 
men standing in pulpits today uh, that are up there spouting a bunch of uh, nonsense, talking about different ways to get to heaven, uh, that different people, uh, although they uh, worship differently, worship the same God, and all such of this nonsense, all of that's going on all across this land. And you know what? God is looking down and hearing every word, uh, but what, what we have to realize and what we have to know as God's people is that Jesus has already spoken on the matter. And that is what he said. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And oh, by the way, no one comes to the Father except by me. So you see, we've got people all over this land that will say, well, you know, God is a loving God. He wouldn't send a good person to hell. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. He will not send you to hell. You will send yourself. Anyone that enters in to eternal punishment does so of their own accord. They trample over the mercies. You see, Jesus himself declared this, this logic of man flawed and thus heretical. There is no man from Adam until, and Eve until now that will ever know God unless they first confess and acknowledge the person and work of Jesus Christ. They must first know him. Jesus Christ. You see, the world has said, we, no, we can get to God in our own way. We can meditate. Uh, we can, uh, you know, we can uh, do these good deeds. We can live a good life. We can uh, try to change the world for the better and all this stuff. But none of that matters if you don't know Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And guess what? No one will know God unless they go through Jesus Christ. What does the world say? What does the world teach us? Well, you do the best you can and, and God's going to, you know, God will reward you for that. I don't know what book you read. I don't know what book they read. It ain't the Bible. It's not the Bible. So you see, this brings us full circle. This, how can we look back at what Jesus said? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How can I possibly say that this is the most profound statement uh, that Jesus ever made during his ministry? And it is because of this one fact. You see, if we look back just a couple of chapters uh, before what Jesus said right here, he said this in John 12 and verse 26. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Okay. And just a little bit after what we read this morning down there in verse uh, 
14, uh, chapter 14, verse 15, you remember what he says there? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Amen. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So what is the, the implications? What is the implications of what Christ is saying? Because basically what he's done is walked up to all of mankind, all of humanity, and he's drew the line. He's drew the line. Because you see all these, all these little talking heads on the other side of the line over here says, well, God's got to accept you if you do this. God's got to take you in if you do that. God's not going to reject you if you live like this. God can't reject you if you do this kind of thing. And they're so busy talking, trying to get noticed and heard by other people that they don't hear the words of the living God. I am the way. There's one bridge, one bridge between mankind, a lost mankind, and a loving God. There's one bridge. And it's Jesus Christ. It's not good deeds. It's not living right. It's not Buddha. It's not Krishna. It's not Allah. It's not any of these other false gods. They're all false. There is only one true and living God. And his name is Jesus Christ. But you see people in society that say, no, you can't be that way. No, you can't talk like that. Uh, that's too narrow-minded. That's too dogmatic. You got it. You better believe it is. You better believe it is. Because the one that declared it is the one that paid for it. Mm -hmm. Go tell that to your liberal friends out there. See how they, they, they can't stand that. That's why they're pitching a fit today. When the truth confronts them, they can't stand it. They begin to scream and holler and cry all kind of falsehoods. But you see, Jesus stood up and said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And no one comes to God except through me. Why is it so profound? Well, this brings us back, all right? You see, this is the one choice. The one choice upon which all of your eternal existence depends. Think about this. And God has given that decision into your hands. Now, you, you guys know me. You've heard me preach and, and teach before. You know what I feel about whiny Christians. You know how I feel about whiny Christians. I mean, they just absolutely drive me up the wall. I cannot stand to hear or be around whiny Christians because they think everything is about them. Me, me, me. Why does God let good, bad things happen to good people? 
All this bunch of nonsense. You know how I feel about that. Well, here you go. Here it is. The one chance, the one opportunity, when the spotlight shines, when when they're on the stage, this is it. This is the opportunity that all those whiny Christians have been wanting. Here you go. This is when it's all about you. This is when it's in your, the ball's in your court. This is where God says, your turn. You see, to, to be saved, there's nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing that I can do. To get salvation. That's what Christ did. He paid that price. He accomplished that. He finished. Remember? Tetelestai. It is finished. Paid in full. You go to the store, you 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 know, you go and, and to the counter and you pay for something, and you know, you 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 pay your full bill and when somebody comes behind you or they're like, oh, I'm going to pay for that guy that just left and they're like, he's paid for it. It's already paid for. There's nothing else to pay for. It's what it's like. Jesus has taken care of that. There's nothing we can do. But, but, whether you and I have that gift, whether you and I accept that gift is totally 100% up to us. We are the ones that choose. So you see all those people, uh, you know, that, that think that everything ought to be about them. Well, this, this little decision right here is. This choice is. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Did you know that from the very beginning, the Word of God has anticipated and has answered and disproven every false religion every false belief that would ever come up on the face of this earth. There is nothing, nothing, no different kind of religion, no uh, philosophy or anything that can stand in the presence of the word of God and of Jesus Christ. And Jesus proclaimed as such. This was not just a mere man talking. This was the God-man. The man that paid the price. The one that took on the very flesh he created and lived a sinless life and then gave that life as a price for all of us. So you see, church, we as God's people, we have to clearly concisely convey this to those around us. 
That's the challenge for us today. That's the challenge for the church in 2017. That's the challenge for God's people in this day and time that we live in. Is to stand for the truth. To speak the truth. I'm not telling you to go out here and start berating people. To to get on the street corner and, and start shouting people down. But listen, if we don't stand for the truth, if we don't proclaim the truth, good Lord, they're not going to hear it anywhere else. They're not going to pick up the newspaper and read it. They're not going to turn on the evening news or the uh, network news and hear about it. They've got to hear it. And more importantly, they've got to see it in us. If our actions are not backing up what we're talking about, what we're talking about is just empty, vain words. So that's where we're headed over the next few weeks. Listen, church, if we're not proclaiming the love of God to a lost and a dying world, if we're not living a life that says Jesus is the only way, we've got to do that. We can't, we can't, Listen, there's too many, there's too many of these so-called Christian teachers out there, uh, Christian leaders, so-called Christian leaders. I've heard uh, uh, time after time after time, I've heard them come on the news or heard them in an interview uh, talking about how we all worship the same God and all such of this nonsense. Listen, that is a lie. That is heresy. Call it What it is, and that's what it is. But you see, in our world, in our society today, people think uh, that you're uh, you're too hateful and all such of this if you don't speak the truth. Listen, if we don't speak the truth, these people are going to die and be cast off into a hell that was not created for them. It is love to tell people the truth. Some people, you sit down and have a good talk with them. You, you convey this in some ways. And then sometimes you, you, know, you have to, to talk to people the way that my daddy talked to me when I was growing up. Boy, get back there in my room and I'll be back there in a minute. I know what was coming. I know the belt that I told you about. The one he never wore, that was what was coming. But if that's what it took to get through to a thick-headed young boy. You see, we've got to convey the truth to a lost and a dying world. They've got to know the truth about Jesus Christ. Even, even, even if it means, guess what? They talk about you, run you down. I'm not going to have nothing to do with you no more. You're just too narrow-minded. You, you, just, you just need to get with the time. It, it'll cost you some friends. It'll cost you something. But guess what? It'll cost you more if you don't. It'll cost you more if you don't. Brother David, come with a verse of a song. And listen, this is our invitation today. You may be here. You don't know the Lord and Savior, 
Listen, this is the day to make that decision. If you're here, you want to pray about something, these altars are open. That's why they're here. But listen, as we go into this series, if we go forward with this, we as God's people are going to be challenged. We're going to have, and listen, to be challenged is not a bad thing, okay? That's a good thing. To be challenged of God, to be challenged of eternity, to know that we can make a difference in eternity. Well, I thought you had to have, be on TV or to have a, a worldwide ministry to do that. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. It's the exact opposite of that. All these cats that you see on every Sunday or every day through the week, all these cats you hear on the radio all the time, you see their books and all that. Guess what? Even if they're in heaven, which I'm not sure of yet, even if they are there, they're going to be way, way back at the back of the line. People like this sitting in here every Sunday and every Wednesday, they're going to be up at the front. People that, that we probably didn't even notice. Guess what? Some, some uh, uh, prostitute from down off of the streets of Atlanta uh, that come to know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and who gave her time and energy telling other people about that. She'll be up there at the front of the line. The kings and the leaders will all be at the back if they're even there. That's how God sees it. And that's what matters. So if you're here today, you want to make it right with him, let's do that. If you're here today and you need to pray about something, let's do that as well. But whatever it is, let's do something today. You know, I was reading a, a, a quote the other day uh, from a... a Theodore Roosevelt. He's for your time. Not too far, but <laughs> I'm just aggravating. Theodore Roosevelt. I'm, I think he was the 26th president. I'm not sure. I can't remember that right off of hand. You can tell me if I'm right or wrong. But he, he, made, he, he, he made the uh, quote one time. Uh, he said, Three things that can happen when it's time for you to make a decision. He said, we can either do the right thing, which is the best decision. We can either do the wrong thing, which is the second best decision. Or we can do nothing, which is the worst decision. I think I got pretty close to that, what he was talking about. But you see what he was saying? Sometimes we're like paralyzed with fear. Should I go left? Should I go right? Don't just go somewhere. Don't just sit there. <laughs> Be like the old coyote on the old cartoons. You get run over. You get hit with the rock. Move. Do something. You see, too many of us are paralyzed with fear because we think, well, I've got to know exactly what it is God wants me to do. God wants you to go. God wants you to reach somebody, to touch somebody's life. That's what we're called to do.